You're listening to the Panda Podcast. Oh fuck, I haven't had a leaving song in like a week. Jeez. Oh yeah, I watched the um, I watched the uh, um, Bundesliga last week. Yeah. yeah, it was it was different. Not gonna lie, after the first four. Sorry, go on. So, how did they do the Bundesliga game? Because I haven't watched it, and I wasn't like looking at. I watched um, Dortmund Schalke, and you know, it, it um, they put like coverings over the microphones. Um, when they play, it's it's so tentative. It's not high paced or, ever, or yes. anything. Like even though you know the players have been tested and they're supposedly so, corona free, in contact between each other. Yeah, yeah. It's like a it's a bit like watching a training match. Um, yeah, it's quite odd because obviously they're going in tackling stuff like that as normal. It was pretty much a normal game of football, um, but obviously the the on the bench they're social distancing distance it so they're about two meters away from each other in terms of the seats wow um obviously they're doing the press conference uh, the post-match interviews in a different manner as well two meters away and stuff like that and um when they're celebrating their goals they're two meters away from each other which i mean yeah the logic of it doesn't make sense i i think the german theory is that you try and limit the amount of time you're close to each other basically is, is the theories which is why all that so i kind of get it but Scientifically speaking, germs don't work like that. But anyway, it, w- it was successful. But I think after about twenty minutes into the game, you realised there was a reason why he didn't watch the Bundesliga in the first place. It's pretty poor in terms of that is the intensity of the Bundesliga. It's not just they were lethargic. One, they've had two month break. Two, that is generally the pace of German football. Unfortunately, it's not it's not rock and roll sort of stuff. You know, I'm not saying the Premier League is either, but it is much higher intensity than the German League. There's a much more technical game, but... Football in Germany is efficient. It's not meant to be fun. Fun is not efficient. Who the fuck were you impersonating there, Klopp? <laughs> Speaking of stereotypes... Uh... <laughs> Uh, oh, we know we know Schimmick's beef with the Germans, um, Mister. I'm oh, going no, to no. I'm going to no. run around an airport, um, dive bombing people. <laughs> well, wasn't he playing infection at the airport? That's what it was, isn't it? Uh, or something like that. Uh, I'm going to strike. Oh God! Not <laughs> <laughs> by internet. <laughs> What what did you what did you put on the recording again? On oh, I, I need to put the Counter Strike uh, bomb defusal sound. <laughs> bomb has been planted. <laughs> oh man, that that was ages ago. For it wasn't as uh, scary as it is now. For I mean. Mm. You know what, I think people are just more scared about coronavirus than a bomb. If the bomb explodes somewhere in a public place, first of all, there's not this many people because everyone's social distancing. Second of all, it generally is going to kill the germs. So, in a way, it's better than it was before the bomb explodes. 
I mean, you you really are like a beacon of optimism here. You're making a good situation of everything. Mm. <laughs> Let, let's let's be happy. Forget about the bad. <laughs> oh fuck! Does anyone have anything else to want to raise? Yeah, no, I was I was. Um... The other day, I've received a message from my old manager, like he's getting the petition going for transparent masks for uh, deaf people, since mm. most of them are used to um, lip, lip reading. Mm. And mm. now because everyone's wearing the uh, masks over their face to cover themselves from spreading that virus, um, they can't lip read anymore. And that um, stops them from communicating efficiently in public. Mm. Just, I, I think it's a fair point. It yeah, is, yeah, it's not I something think. I immediately considered, but yeah, when you think mm. about it, it's difficult because I guess that there's a lot of issues that come up with having like a transparent mask as well. Because obviously, when you breathe, it's gonna it's gonna fog up as well. And mm. I remember Aaron saying something about the filters as well. How does that work? Yeah. It's, that's not going to be a transparent material. It's going to be made of because it's not necessarily possible. No. Um, but yeah. Uh, Sorry, Aaron, I've interrupted you there. No, no, I was just thinking, like, there's a lot of things that people are going to have to design for. Like, another thing is that us, like, the profession and the whole, you know, workspaces we're going to be going into, mm. we're going to have to redesign everything for social distancing for the foreseeable future. Mm. And I saw um, on my rare ventures off to LinkedIn, actually, where, um, you know, just as you do, I saw you know, Josh Foster from undergrad. He um, he did an article about designers and you know architects and how they should be designing, you know, incorporating nature more into their built the built environment, which yeah. I think is a good idea. Yeah, he's done very well on the sort of communicating uh, sort of I guess a student and young architect sort of point of view on on things just in general with his um God, what's this page called again? The architecture student blog, is it? Yeah, so he's got... I'll give him a little plug there because he's a good guy. Um, he's got that on Instagram. It's quite successful. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's good to be having these dialogues. I think I think we were saying before we started recording about work from home is was sort of going to start becoming a Vogue thing. It's just that this whole thing's accelerated that process pro- probably eight to ten years. And I think... People will be working smarter from home. Um, you're not necessarily going to get necessarily the same man hours, but I think people are going to be, you're going to get those compressed hours where it is intense work that people are going to be doing. You're not going to have other, you don't have your boss looking over your shoulder. You, you, you're just in your own space, comfortable. You're not wasting two hours a day going to commute from to work. You don't yeah. have to go out and waste money on lunch. Uh, employers aren't going to have to spend 60 to 70 grand a year in London anyway, for renting out an office space. Um, if you still want that experience of an office, you can have a WeWork space or something for two to three days a week if you need to hold meetings and stuff. I think uh, I think in terms of that side of it, this thing's been good for pushing that more. And um, it's something that is going to have to stick because we don't know how long we're going to have to sort of accommodate around this uh, vaccine or antivirals, et cetera, preventing it. But it... it yeah, it's certainly an interesting debate, and I think our profession is going to have quite a lot to do with it in terms of architecture and construction and sort of design in general. Mm. I think, in some senses, it's going to be a sort of a 
a new sort of strand to the business. If you get what I mean? Because it's it's no longer going to be about office design because people are now going to be reluctant to actually yeah, spending true, and designing actually. offices. And um, it's, it's weird when you think about it as well because especially up here in Manchester, you've got a lot of like office building, like commercial buildings being built that were kind of half done before the pandemic. And yeah. Construction starting again. You're thinking a lot of these buildings are going to be left half empty. So yeah, what are they going to do? They'll probably have to convert them into housing, I guess, or social or modify them for social distancing. I think the conversion to housing, considering we have a housing crisis in the UK, as we keep getting told, I think mm-hmm. the issue with that is obviously developers want a net return. The reason I talk about it is because I'm writing a bit about this in my dissertation. It's about <laughs> affordable housing, and. The problem there's going to be with the housing is developers going to be like, yep, yeah, fine. But according to planning, they'll have to provide 35 to 50% of those units as affordable, inverted brackets. Yeah. Uh, the afford- affordability argument in itself is comical because what's regarded as affordable housing, say, in London is a £400,000 house. Now, most people, about probably about 90% of the people that work in London potentially won't earn that in their whole working life. So how is that considered affordable? That's my first comment on the affordable housing debate. You can't even put down a deposit of that, like 20% of 400 grand. That's ridiculous. Yeah, it's 80K. And then Mm. you've got the other side of it. Then when you go through the planning process, you'll have developers saying, oh, because there's a threshold. The problem is there's no set threshold nationally or regionally. It's sort of decided by a local authority level. And it's decided, unfortunately, on a case-by-case basis. Now, when you look at your standard stocks and bonds, um, ISAs and stuff like that, a reasonable rate of return is considered about 5%. Um, and on a stock, it, it, depending on how long you invest in it, if you get a 10 to 15% net return on that, you'd say that's very successful. You've done very well out of that. The threshold for profit for affordable housing to be viable, the developer has to make at least 20% profit at least. In some cases, it's higher. In some cases, it's 30. Uh, if it's under that threshold, it's unviable. Therefore, they don't have to provide affordable housing either on the site, they can provide off-site somewhere else, or they pay a planning obligation where they don't have to pay it at all. That's the trade-off you've got here. And that's why you've got not just a housing crisis, but an affordability crisis in London especially, but the whole of the UK in general, apart from maybe areas of the Northeast, yeah, and the reason it's in the areas of the northeast is because they're not the most economically dominant areas of the um, UK economy. So it's going to be cheaper to live there. But no offense to people in Newcastle and Sunderland, but what attracts people to go live in Newcastle and Sunderland? There's no industry there. Car manufacturers are closing down now as a result of Brexit. They're all moving their operations back to uh, the countries of origin, or they're going into Germany and using that market because one, it's already a proven market. And two, the EU trade laws allow them to operate there freely. I'm worried about what's yeah. going to happen in Manchester, actually, because Manchester's still reasonably affordable, mm. um, in my opinion, depending on what other people might think. But like living in the city centre, even as a student, it's still kind of reasonable if you've got money saved up. And if you work as a professional then you're yeah. fine. I mean, there's loads of housing from like Urban Splash and that. And yeah. it's affordable for now. But Yeah, like for the price, uh, for mm. the price you can rent a small room in London, like in um, 
third, fourth zone, you can read an entire flat in Manchester like you are. Yeah, exactly. well, you can get than I am for a room in London. You can get an apartment in Manchester, like not penthouse, but you know, apartment with balcony, quite high up, very nice, new modern design for about two hundred fifty thousand. Um, well, I sort of saw that when I was looking. Yeah, and they're, they're nice, they're spacious. You know, there's a couple of rooms. You know, you got your state-of-the-art kitchen, blah blah blah. In London, that's about eight hundred k, between five hundred and eight hundred k. And that's if you're in the outer London area. So that's if you're in like Ealing, Collindale, uh, Hayes. If you're going into central London, like off the Thames in Canary Wharf or further down to Battersea, you're talking in the millions for something like that. And just to put it into context, in South of Keys, yeah, exactly. In South of Keys, you're probably paying max top, top dollar, maybe half a million max. And that's getting you more space, more square footage, more rooms, more facilities. You can even rent a good apartment for 750 to 800 a month. Yeah. In Salford Keys. Uh, even Deansgate Tower. Um, got like four massive skyscrapers going up in Manchester. I think you can get, you can get like apartments up there for about a grand a month. Yeah. I think... The scenario I fear is what we have. We have something here like they have in Denmark and Copenhagen in particular, where they built all these developments, but they've made it so unaffordable uh, compared to the average national living wage that you've got development sites that were built in the last sort of 10 years sitting totally empty, uh, unoccupied, but they're not willing to lower the, they'd rather sit and let it rot than let a plumber or something like that go live there so it's about because you know. the thing is in, in, in many ways it's an investment for the future it's more secure than investing in stocks and the land price keeps increasing so well that's... the money is on a really good percentage and they mm. don't have to rent it out they just invest, they just buy the land construct something and keep it for a few years before reselling it for a much larger value yeah, I mean, there's there's, there's there's some rumors which I kind of believe that a lot of those housings are used to launder money from illegal markets. Yeah, I think oh, yeah. Th- with with that, that's sort of a buy to let market here. Um, there are there are associated costs with it. There is a ground rents and stuff like that, and like it, it does eat away at you if you're not getting a tenant. It, it does financially hamper you, especially if, if you've got it on a mortgage as well. You're not. Not paying off, but for in terms yeah. of international, what's happened here is that since 2000, well, since 2006, it's got worse, uh, I'd say. Between 2006 and 2011, the market had become too much market housing rather than looking at social housing. And it all started under Thatcher where you had the right to buy come in for council houses. That ate up all the stock. That's why you've got low uh, ownership rates now in the UK. Because yeah. all the... Uh, as um, the state don't provide or build or construct their own housing anymore. It's all done by private investors. And we're one that not a lot of countries do that. And there's a reason for it because the market model is something that it should be incorporated in some elements into the state because that's how you get things running for community schemes. That's how you get things running for building this sort of true sustainability model that keeps getting prouded about, sort of paraded around and... Um, sort of the ethics lectures we have and um, the, the sort of theology of housing and whether social sustainability is really a true and attainable goal. It's not, uh, not in the current system we have. And I don't, I don't see a way of that changing. This is going to slow down the process a little bit because people, it's not going to be a selling market at all now for 
a couple of years, unless, of course, you're in London. And even then, if the longer this goes on, the, the worse that's going to get. Yeah. But the rental market now, it, it, it's going to exacerbate that. There's already a large renting market. It's going to become even larger because people aren't going to want to buy or they are going to buy uh, for the purposes of living because they can get it on a cheap deal, which is fine. That's great. This might be the first time in probably 20, 30 years that housing might start to become affordable again in sort of the South. Because in the North, I agree, there's not, that's, that bubble hasn't happened yet. Even in Manchester, it's the bubble's not burst. It's got probably about five, six years more growing to do before it becomes like the London model. It's because it's because of the city's layout as well. Because a lot of cities outside of London, they've kind of got the city centre for like commercial district stuff, and then you've got, you know, outside you've got the suburban um, housing. So anything that's in the city centre is just going to be commercial. But with London, you've got a mix. So housing is going to be so expensive next to areas of commerce and stuff. Mm-hmm. So. But obviously, people are kind of seeing it as like a money. So, building loads of apartments in the city centre in Manchester, and they assume that you know once business is booming, people are going to buy them out, which people are. And you know, housing stock outside of Manchester, well, the Greater Manchester, the city centre, will end up rising mm. um, because, well, to be to be fair, I mean, I don't know if it will rise as much because. Transport up here is shit. It's so bad. So yeah. people commuting from places like Stockport or Blackburn or Bolton, they'd rather just live in the city centre, which would then drive up prices in the city centre. Mm. One of my neighbours put down some techno mix volume five on really loud. Well, no. Yeah. yeah. Jeez. You need to tell them, tell the people about your um, your newfound love for Romanian folk music. I'm guessing from that silence, Jesus. it's not love. Uh, yeah, <laughs> because Romanian a neighbor I'm now acquainted to both Romanian rap and Romanian folk music, which I'm absolutely sick of. Like it was so hot yesterday, I couldn't close the window because I was choking, and I just kept hearing this, and I've got like. It's still stuck in my head. It's like a PTSD now. If I hear it again, I will jump out. <laughs> Not even exaggerating. <laughs> How can you listen to this nonstop? Like, I understand, like, having a tune for, like, hour or two, but, like, it was, like, 12 hours straight. Yeah, my neighbours have got an affinity it's for death metal. So, um, there's a lot of head raging going on next door at the moment. Um, it's a bit, it's a bit dark, I'm not going to lie. Quite um, satanistic, the music they're playing. Oh yeah, well, did you find out who um, yeah. who uh, set the place on fire near Yushin? Uh Yeah, yeah. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Basically, my my some people in the street. There's a couple of garages next to me that have like there's just loads of shit in the garages, like beds and uh, loads of rubble and that around. So the two blokes that own it and they own the house that's next to it, the house has been sort of left to sort of rot a bit. They had a couple of um, remaining guys, incidentally enough, in there and they kicked them out because they were dumping all the rubbish at the back. So what they started doing was just putting all the rubbish together um, because the Maidenhead Council, Windsor and Maidenhead Council aren't um, very good with their um, waste sites and the management of it. 
and they promise to still do waste collection and deliveries uh, for items and then take your money and then don't carry out the deliveries and don't issue you with a refund either. Um, just want to get that in there. Uh, these guys I had to resort to sort of creating like a funeral pyre outside and I didn't notice it. I, something smelt funny. I thought that someone was just having a barbecue because there's a lot of that going around. Uh, and then yeah. I hear some woman shouting in Punjabi quite aggressively to these guys over here. And then the next thing I know, there's two fire engines uh, outside my house. And I'm going, oh, what the fuck's happening here? And you you could tell who the person that rang the rang the fire department was because she was standing outside the house, foot tapping. As soon as they came, she went back in. And yeah, they they came out. They didn't get nothing really happened, but it was a raging fire at that point. It was quite like they were there watching it, but my guy was just leaning on the car bonnet watching it happen. And the other one was running outside arguing with the fire department. And. I, I, I love this picture, by the way, you sent of him sitting on the car. It's like, yeah, shit's happening, but what can yeah. I do? Nothing I, I can do. I'll post on Instagram this audio. It's, it's fine, yeah. Really I, I don't like this shit anyway. It's like one of those sort of uh, French French Renaissance paintings of the revolution. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, but. Foxes in North London. Like if you, if you, what? The story doesn't quite finish there. The story. Oh, sorry, no, you glitched out because of poor oh. internet connection. Sorry. Again. The, the story doesn't quite finish there. Now, while all this is going on, so my house backs up yeah. onto two gardens, sort of like an L-shaped street. So you, know, you can see it's other people's gardens. There's now an even bigger cloud smoke coming two, three doors down. I'm like, oh, what's that? And then you just see a bloke standing topless in his garden um, and just sort of like scratching his head. And you can actually see the flames coming from the back of the building. He's just sort of like standing there like, what do I do? I just see the fire department, the guy's leaning over saying, that fire's not coming from here, obviously, because it's right in front of us. I've never seen six fire guys run fast and they reversed their fire truck right into the end of the streets, go down to here. And it was just like, yeah, it was a raging fire. And I, I, you could hear the conversations it was like, Oh, I went for a nap and I came out and this was happening. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing in your garden? Are you burning body? I'm convinced now um, on the street. Oh, fuck. I'm on a street where, you know, like you have that, what was that film? The Stepford Wives, where the, yeah. all the suburban housewives were out doing a bit of weird and it's like they were burning oh, bodies. No, I, mean. I, was, I, was I think that's happening here. Top Boy? You know that scene from Top Boy when they wake up in the burning house? <laughs> oh, man. That was emotional. Fucking Jesus. That, that was emotional, actually. He's like, the man just wanted to see an Arsenal game. <laughs> <laughs> and he died the next day. Oh, oh Jesus. Man. People have lost their minds, man, honestly. Uh, yeah. No, uh, I was going to say, because, like, you know how there's a lot of foxes in North London. Like, if you go, go across through uh, the street, like, our midnight is there's gonna be like a fox running across the street every uh let's say 30 50 meters mm. um so like when i first moved into this house uh, i've noticed like there was a lot of foxes jumping over the fence like into the garden i was wondering what what, what brings them here because i didn't see you, you know foxes tend to stay away from humans generally that they're afraid to approach humans so i was like yeah. why do they come around to this garden so often and then i noticed like in my garden's shed uh, in, uh, in my neighbor's garden shed the same shed of the neighbor that plays 
the Romanian folk music 24-7, there is some rabbits locked up in cages. What? Huh? He is literally farming the rabbits. What the fuck? What, what's going on with people? What the <laughs> fuck? Oh, man, I don't even know anymore. wonder if that operates like a wet market. Well, honestly, that's literally... What else has he got in there? Oh, my God. When the second wave hits, we're going to trace it back to North London. (laughs) (laughs) Coronavirus version 50, the rabbit strain. Rabbit's flu. All came from some crazy guy thinking a rabbit's foot cures all ailments. That's what it is. You know what? I'll take that over. Fucking drugs. Oh, yeah. We don't want people taking chloro, whatever it is, hydrochloroquine. Chloroform. What are you about to say? Chloroform. No, no, no. I couldn't remember what it was called. But yeah. Oh, it's like OJ Simpson trying to cure someone's coronavirus. Oh, you're ill. Smell this tissue. It will help you clean your lungs. Well, have you seen that photo? It's about um, it's of him and his wife, and it's um, how my twenty twenty four, how I thought my twenty twenty was going to go um, over him, and he dressed in a nice suit, and then twenty twenty next to his wife, who uh, you know ended up like dead, probably at his hands. But a lot of that going on. At his hands, one hundred percent at his hands, but you know. You know, you know what pisses me off the most? You know how in court he was like fitting this glove on to prove that it wasn't his? Mm. Yeah. First of all, how does it prove that it wasn't his if it's like slightly too small? He may have purposely used it. Second of all, he wore a white like glove not to destroy presumably fingerprints or the uh, um, proof. Yeah, yeah, the forensic evidence, but their white glove, which he put on before putting an actual glove, made his hand slightly thicker, which <laughs> effectively made his hand not fit the glove. So how is this alleged experiment in any way? I thought that was just his MJ impersonation, personally. Little kids. Jesus Christ. Come play with me. Do you think that Home Alone kid was too famous for him to fiddle? That's why it's the only one that always says that he didn't touch me inappropriately. Yeah, I'm not even sure, man. He he gave off. Was there surely Uh, someone too famous for Michael Jackson? It's odd. Well, well, I I don't know. He did end up uh, on drugs and stuff in his adult life. Exactly. Yeah, he's he's drown, trying to drown some sort of pain away. Uh, talking of kid actors, what was the name of this kid who was in a Phantom Menace? Uh, Jake something. Um, I'm, I'm gonna Google it right now. Uh, fuck's sake, who was Jake Lloyd? Yeah, sir. <laughs> it's it's funny. It's funny how he's listed as the. Actor playing the Darth Vader role, even though he wasn't a Darth Vader back then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I will put him, but yeah, he he ended up on on a bad note after this movie. Uh, yeah, apparently, apparently he was like not very liked at school. 
No, you got bullied, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, uh, which is a bit. I feel sorry for him, but then he, I think he ended up in prison. I feel sorry for him, point. but after seeing Phantom yeah. Menace, if I was in his school, I would have bullied him as well. <laughs> Just the same way as if I worked with Hayden Christensen after his portrayal of Anakin Skywalker, I probably would have gone to fight with him too. Yeah. I'm glad Rachel Bilson divorced him. <laughs> oh my God. That, that, that's that deep. That's Deep. I still oh, stand yeah. by. Diagnosed with schizophrenia and is moved from jail to psychiatric facility after June arrest. So Dick Lloyd in June 2016, uh, he was arrested when he was led police on a high speed chase in South Carolina, uh, and on uh, the term. And yeah, he was now moved to psychiatric facility. Uh, uh, insane. He he did did become insane after this movie. He's probably not the only person I reckon I became insane after I seen Jar Jar. I think that... that... When when someone compared Jar Jar Binks to two chains. (laughs) What? No? Fuck off. That sounds like something you would do as well. (laughs) I mean, Jake Lloyd became schizophrenic probably because he got shoved into lockers all his life after being in a shit film. That ruined millions of childhood memories. It wasn't as bad as Last Jedi. Last Jedi was just ridiculous. I'm mostly no. pissed off about the fucking bombers which don't work. I was just I'm pissed off about the them. I, there's a lot of things I'm pissed off about with Last Jedi. Last Jedi is literally worse than Phantom Menace, in my opinion. I know, but you didn't think when you first watched The Last Jedi, it's only on the second watch you think, oh no, this is really an awful film. The first watch, you kind of get lost a bit in a bit of the nostalgia element. Phantom Menace, you watched that yeah, eight, probably exactly. age four or five, yeah. And you knew then, even then, watching it in the cinema for the first time, that that was going to be one of the worst films you'll ever see in your life. Well, to be fair, I haven't seen it until I was like eight, and it was on VHS. Oh. I didn't go to the cinema. I was in the cinema the day it came out, five years old. I remember me and my cousin went with my dad and walked out saying, I'm never watching Star Wars. I didn't watch a Star Wars film again for about 10 years after that, nearly. My brother got really into it because of the prequels. Well, that pissed me off. Work? You were four years old and you went through that. Nah, th- th- this film is whack. That I'm not watching it. I'm not watching Star Wars anymore. Get, bear in mind, shit. no, bear in mind. I just spent a week probably on VHS watching the original series. You were so sort of an, very unstarted four-year-old then. I'm trying to imagine your characters as 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 a four-year-old back then. Uh, Shiv, like Ryan, Dad. I'm not watching this. This, this is shit. Well, it's probably wasn't swearing, but I'll probably be like, this Jar Jar Binks bloke's not very funny, Dad. Because that thing was chucked in there to be comedy for kids, and a lot of kids didn't find it funny. Yeah, because someone thought that, that um, as a Star Wars film is a fantasy, therefore it's for kids. It's same like though you see those six-year-olds watching, like, you see those on videos on YouTube, like... Mm. Um, all the people react to Rick and Morty and stuff, and they look at it and like, "Oh, this is this is such a bad cartoon. They shouldn't put it out for kids." And they're like, "It's well, not for this kids. This is a cartoon well, for adults." I mean, that's... adults watch cartoons. <laughs> what? Like, yeah, it, it's yeah. the same with Phantom Menace. They, the for some reason they thought just because it's a fantasy, adults would not be attracted to some genre. Even the thing is, though, for like. 
the episodes four, five, and six were popular among the adult public, and yeah, it was just badly. The the the, uh, the audience they were aiming for was just. Well, George Lucas has always tried to maintain that the Star Wars films were never for kids, hence the t- the tones and themes of episodes four, five, and six, as you say. He can't. He can't then say yeah. that and then do what he did with the prequels, because that's all him. And then go and demonize yeah, no. the yeah. But 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 you know that George Lucas isn't actually solely responsible for the success of four, five, and six because he did have those yeah opinions back then. Yeah, he's like he he got good imagination to come up with stuff like this, but he's not a good, like, he, he isn't a very, like, I don't know how to say, organized person, to, uh, uh, proper audience for his ideas. It was like, uh, people around him, his wife was making a lot of inputs into, like, reorganizing the movies, which were, mm. that the original cut, which he made, did not make sense. If, if you ever, like, see the original cut can compare to what uh, his wife later managed to re- re-edit it, it's two completely different movies. Yeah. Well, that, that's what they've always used as the argument of... In, the thing is with George Lucas, in terms of what he can picture and imagine, in terms of using the technology, was ahead of its time. That's what was revolutionary about it. In terms yeah. of as an actual director, a scriptwriter, screenplay, garbage. Absolute garbage. That's what... That's what He didn't have the same team behind it. Well, he did have the same team behind him when he did the prequels, actually. I remember watching... My brother was too no, into it. Funny. No, most of it, most most of it was. It was the 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 problem was, and what he uses it now is the studio direction on it. As in, um, was it is it? It's not. F- uh, it was yeah. The, uh, the model makers and the um and the scenographers were the same. I think. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of people, for which his screenwriters were the same as well. Uh, were different because they they just like didn't agree to come back to the same movie after he split his wife. Let's be honest, um, it didn't. It wasn't about creative directions. It was how can I milk this fairy for all I can? How how much yeah, money can I make oh, out yeah, of this? He didn't course. care. If, he knows they were shit, and w- he tries to use that now to sort of say the Disney ones are shit. I mean, Last Jedi is not great. Oh uh, no, I disagree. I don't think they're shit. I don't think they're as bad as the prequels that he uh, he did in the early 2000s i think there's a lot of nostalgia in there and it's a nice watch it's not going to be like memorable films or anything i think the other the other films that aren't to do with the um sort of skywalker canon are, are very good like uh, rogue one even solo film to a degree is quite good and i think the projects that they've done with the mandalorian is brilliant but the actual that the, the, whatever movies they did and linked to like the whole skywalker thing was always going to be quite poor the stuff I wanted for, I, I like I yeah. did not care about those guys. Yeah, didn't explain the stuff I wanted, and the, the way they explained his name was bullshit. Mm. Like why? Why isn't the name he stuck with? It's just some soldier gave him the name. He probably gave it to everyone who didn't have name. Like oh, you don't have a family? Okay, you're a solo. Next, you don't have family either. Okay, you're a solo. So this name had literally no significance to him according to this explanation. Also, I'm, I'm quite upset with Charles Gambino because he's a good actor. Charles Gambino is a really good actor. And for some, I'm not sure whether that's the fault of that director or he didn't um, have enough passion for this movie, but his performance in Han Solo, in Solo movie, is not up to his standard at I've all. I've actually... Made better. I've got to disagree with you there. I think 
in fact, most of the reviews as well agree with the fact that the the, the script, the actual screenplay itself, was wasn't great, but the acting, particularly from Charles Gambino, was very, yeah, uh, Gambino. Yeah, I think he came off very well. With that I think, and the guy that played Solo was very good in it. I think the, the, the general problem with the film wasn't the quality of the acting; it was the quality of the script and the screenplay behind it. That's just my take on it, anyway. I know we're not going to agree on that, but I don't think he portrayed the the right um, the right character at all. It didn't feel like the original uh, the, the the original character from the episodes four, five, and six at all. I think that's a good uh, thing. And his, and his, and his sexual. I, th- I didn't agree with that. That was just a bit... Yeah. The robot is a complete bullshit. Yeah, that was just... That was some weird shit. That's Disney trying to appeal to everyone and everything and anybody. Uh, too I mean, much. They'll probably try and tell you that he likes shagging whales eventually or something like that as well. Like, not whales like a country. Uh, Aking yeah. role in, like, ruined Harry Potter. Oh, she just says shit to keep relevant, she does. Yeah, she's, she's just gone off the rails. Harry Potter was just a poor rip-off of Lord of the Rings. Don't tell me otherwise. <laughs> I have respect for both. Yeah, okay. I know Pshemek agrees with me, so. <laughs> uh, fuck. But yeah, that was an interesting little segue I didn't expect. That was probably half an episode in itself and that. Um, yeah. No, it's like, I, I, it's always interesting when we have like contrasting opinions because co- contrary to some people, we even know from uh, our architecture class of 2016. He's going to bait him out like that, yeah? That can't take contrary arguments. As they go like, oh, oh you, you don't agree with me. I'm just going to stop the conversation right here. Where, whereas we can actually, even if we, are, we end up being aggressive against each other, we're still able to make some sort of conversation about our opinions. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're like a group of brothers. We and you especially, we argue like, when we argue and we have opposing views, we get quite passionate and aggressive against each other. But it's not yeah, like a, it's never personal. Well, that we are not like gonna hate each other. Yeah, exactly. After five minutes, it's done. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that's good. That, that's that was that's why people were saying we should have a podcast because we can discuss over our opinions. It's a constructive, about it's a constructive them. conversation. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, some some people are, they just consider themselves the new reincarnation of Jesus Christ, apparently. And <laughs> yeah, that's because they're in their own echo chamber. Please don't give me names to bleep out. No, I'm, 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 gonna, I'm not going to give them credits. Make my job easy. Their ego is way Ow. too high anyway. Mm. Oh, sorry. Play. I, I just that's checked really out the two Jaja. I cannot unsee it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Show me before. I can't remember who. No, remember when we were watching Star Wars in third year and we um 
Ryan Go hadn't seen no, it wasn't Ryan. It was David, and he hadn't seen it, and he thought George Binks was Yoda. <laughs> Oh, fuck, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, friends with him after this. I think. Oh my god! Don't even deny. Like when him and Ryan went to get hot, <laughs> some bread to the cinema. No, Aaron, can I just pause you right here because I, I yeah. was just like looking for different mixes, and mm. I got seen a Rick Ross mix with Champagne. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> It's when Rick Ross got like really big. Um, He's like bald head and big beard. (laughs) Just like superimposed on John John Patekat. Oh man. Oh fuck. Oh, that's amazing. That actually led my mood so well. It's incredible. <laughs> so, so some some people some people are I, I don't know they they have too much time. No, I'm sorry that picture of Whoopi Goldberg's offensive, man. That picture of Whoopi Goldberg's offensive, man. That woman's an institution. How dare they? <laughs> Why would they ruin that picture with two chains and fucking George Obings? Oh God. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> I can't unsee it now. I fully can't unsee it. Oh my god, some of them, Bob Rose and Harrison Ford. Uh, it works. It, it fucking works. What the fuck? Oh, I'm gonna send it to the group. Uh, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> 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 it's a fucking spanking millennium falcon as well. God. There's so many of them. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, please follow us on Twitter at Panda Podcast UK One, and remember to subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. Thank you for listening. Bye. Have a great time. <laughs>